This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the Wicker Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, joined as usual by Adam Cooper and Dan Clark. On this week's episode, we review our scrappy and somewhat stat-defying win over Northampton at the weekend, discuss our latest batch of transfer dealings, as well as the dangers of getting hopes up on social media, and finally, with the international break this weekend, we step back and take a bit of a breather and assess the season so far. But before we get started, a reminder that in just two weeks, more than 300 heroes will be participating in a marathon trek all the way from Wembley to the hallowed turf of Adams Park, 26.2 miles raising money for Prostate Cancer UK. Those taking part have raised more than £150,000 so far, vital funds that will ultimately go a long way towards saving lives. This incredible feat of endurance is also being completed in honour of Bill Turnbull, the legendary broadcaster and Chairboys fan who passed away following a battle with this terrible illness just over a year ago. Adam, you're taking part in this year's marathon walk. Uh, How are the preparations going? How are those feet? It seemed like a really good idea when I signed up. (laughs) They are... uh, I'm just recovering from our our last big training walk on Sunday. Um, So we did... 20 miles on Sunday in that heat, which was good. But my feet are hurting. Um, no blisters so far, to be fair. For me, this was kind of like a double-edged sword. It was doing good for a great cause. And um, getting back up on my feet and, and getting fit after quite a serious injury. So June last year, I injured myself and literally had to be taught to walk again. Um, put on loads and loads of weight. So for me, it's not just a case of uh, being able to to get up and walk 26 miles is actually that whole um, change of mentality from um, from my accident last summer. So yeah, it's um, it's been good. It's been nice to get out in the fresh air and um, and start getting fit. It's been nice to sort of blow the cobwebs away. But yeah, like you say, there's some there's some aching muscles and some aching feet, which hopefully will uh, will allow me to do another 26 miles in a couple of weeks' time, and uh, and then I'll have a rest for a week or so. 
Do you know what? Fair play to you because I I don't fancy walking alone. I uh, walking up my stairs, let alone walking twenty six miles. So, well done on that one. I mean, obviously, aside from the uh, aside from the fitness stuff and and you know getting back to 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 where you want to be, what what else does this mean to you? You know, what what does the cause mean? Because obviously, it's a fantastic cause, and I know for a lot of people within the fan base. You know, Prostate Cancer UK is is a significant charity that we should we should all be getting behind as much as we can. But um, you know, is there any particular meaning for you? Look, this is really cheesy, but you can genuinely mean it when you say it about our football club. We are a little family, and obviously, the story that Bill went through quite publicly was very very sad. But when you saw him at Wickham, you know, whether it was in the bar or um, or coming out afterwards, you know, it was really sad seeing his his health deteriorate. But it was also really encouraging the way that right until you know the, certainly the last time that that we saw him he was very very positive he was smiling you know and he was the same bill he wasn't a television personality who sat in his private executive box and you know ate prawn sandwiches and drunk expensive wine he was one of us who was stood in the veer suite having a pint and you know sharing his thoughts on terrible referees and um, gutsy defensive performances. So that was the first thing. Secondly, my my dad's best friend, who I've known for for many many years, has has just got through his his second bout of um, of prostate cancer, and really his battles just highlight how important it is to to get checked quickly, because although it is very very serious. If you do get checked quickly, there is a chance that you can make a recovery and a full recovery in many cases. When you look at the symptoms um, and how easy it is to go on to prostate cancer's website, you can go on to prostatecancer.org. There's a little wrist checker that takes literally like 30 seconds and it will tell you um, your risk percentage. Or if you have any of the symptoms, you know, I never thought I'd be talking about this on a football podcast, but difficulty having a pee. A weak flow when you go for a pee, going to the toilet a lot or going at night, uh, pain when you go into the loo. You know, typical men, we don't go to the doctors about stuff like that. And I think it's not only the prostate cancer thing for me, it's male health. Um, I myself have recently just had the all clear from um, a lump that I found in a place that men don't want to be finding lumps. And you know, obviously I was okay, but I want to make sure that, you know, my friends, my family, the people who are close to me shout about the importance of going to the doctors and getting checked. Yes, it's embarrassing the first time that you go, but after that first time, you know, it gets less and less embarrassing. Ultimately, you could save your own life by just getting over that little bit of embarrassment at the beginning. So I would encourage anybody who's concerned, who might have some symptoms to get in touch with your doctor, anybody who, who may not be concerned but is in that, that sort of risk bracket, um, to get on to, to prostatecancer.org and, and go through the risk checker. Loads of stuff all over um, all over Twitter. Uh, you can have a look at hashtag broadcast it like Bill on Twitter. Um, there's loads of stuff going on there. Um, and I'll share the prostate cancer link on my uh, Twitter. I know that you'll retweet that as well, Michael. So um, so you can go on and have a look. You know, for me, like I say, it's not just prostate cancer. It is the whole thing about men doing something about their health early. You know, whether that be mental health, whether that be male cancers, 
um, whether that be, you know, anything else. Um, the stats are pretty scary. Um, so more men under 50 are dying of cancer than in 1990, despite the uh, medical advancements. Um, that's a pretty scary stat. And um, they put that down to late diagnosis, alcohol and obesity. So getting yourself out there, keeping fit, perhaps not having that pint for two or three days after work um, and getting to the doctors early are all things that can help us all. And I think the more that we the more that we broadcast that, we're not only going to help people spot and recover from prostate cancer, but other cancers and other health conditions as well. Absolutely. Massive respect, Adam, for you doing this. And, and as well to the other 300, more than 300 people that have signed up, £150,000 so far raised. That's absolutely tremendous. And, uh, you know, it's such a shame that we lost Bill to this, to this disease. I mean... You know, he he still had years that he could have, you know, contributed to to the club and to to our you know presence on media. Um, absolutely loved listening to him on comms. You know, obviously had that voice, had the broadcaster voice. Um, obviously love listening to Phil these days and his wonderful co-coms. But Bill just brought that real pinas, didn't he? And uh, deeply, deeply yeah. missed. Um, so yeah, if you're listening to this and you're seeing kind of some of those irregularities things that adam mentioned it's not embarrassing just you know go go check out the the website go check out that checker um and and if you are you know we also mentioned mental health as well and that is something that we just you know i mean we do talk about it a lot more these days but these these people that are doing these 26.2 miles you know that's a lot that's a lot if you're listening to this and you're going i can't possibly do that break it down do a mile a day or something. Just get out. Just get on a walk for 10 minutes. It will amaze you how better you feel. The other day, I was feeling I was having a real nightmare. It was a, it's a Saturday and I was just stressed. And I went and took my dog for a walk. It, do you know what? It was actually the stress of the Northampton game, which we'll get to. But I took my dog for a 10-minute walk afterwards. I felt right as rain afterwards. So it's amazing what being outside can do for your mental health. If you've got any irregularities, really? any concerns with what's going on downstairs, go get checked out. It's not embarrassing, and it could save your life. Uh, donation page for Adam's raising efforts will be posted uh, onto our socials, but we will also drop the link in the description for this podcast. Um, thank you very much. And good luck to everyone who is marching for prostate cancer on the 17th of September. Massive respect. And well done. <laughs> Massive well done. Uh, we kick off with this past weekend's trip to Sixfields, which saw the Chairboys record our first consecutive Saturday wins of the Matt Bloomfield era. Not quite the performance of champions, Richard Keogh's ugly scramble, ultimately the difference maker, despite the home side's dominance for much of the remaining 90 plus minutes. We are indeed back to our shithouse best. Uh, guys, two ways of looking at this. On one hand, this really isn't how we want to be winning football games. Not a good performance at all. Uh, but on the other hand, three vital points away from home, solid at the back and some absolutely heroic performances across the pitch. The result is the only thing that matters, right? Look, first of all, the atmosphere was absolutely brilliant. The 900-odd Wickham fans behind that goal made a noise from the first minute to the last. And hopefully the players felt that. But it was um, it was like hell on earth, <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Uh, if Sam Hoskins could finish, it probably would have been about 6-1 at half time. 
but let's take the positives out of it. Um, I don't know why, but Sky have randomly today decided that it was Gareth McLeary who scored and not Richard Keogh. So I don't know if that's something official or if that's just Sky being Sky. Sky being Sky, for sure. Yeah, I think so. But look, there was a lot of good good performances across the pitch. There was a lot of gutsy performances. You know, Lee he had to tuck in pretty much at centre-back and looked flawless there. Max Striek looked absolutely outstanding the three substitutes i thought bloom's subs were first of all timed brilliantly and i thought the effect that that those three on 53 minutes had and then tj coming on with sort of 10 15 minutes to go really changed the game for so long so many people have been moaning about how easy we are to score against and how poor we are after we've made substitutions and how we want the gareth ainsworth style back well you know we we went to a team who were traditionally very good at playing on the front foot, very good at getting the ball on the floor. You know, Bloom said he wasn't expecting them to be so wide, their wingers traditionally invert, and that's how they were so successful last season with their wingers tucking inside. And they didn't on Saturday. They stayed really, really wide, and I think it threw us in that first half. But, you know, fair play to Bloom's and the team for getting them in at half time with the 1-0 lead, rearranging it a bit, made a couple of tweaks to the uh, to the formation, which I thought were quite interesting. And then those three subs, we'll talk about Brands in a bit, but um, I thought he was outstanding handling when he came on. Just his willingness to to run the channels, use his strength and really get at them. I thought he was good. I thought Wheeler was just typically David Wheeler. He was everywhere. That injury that he's had is, is going to be a nasty injury. It was a, some sort of injury to the ball of his foot. And he's been out for a long time and typically like him, you know, just battling that endeavour to win everything in the air, win every second ball. And Harry Boys as well, I thought, had a good second half after a after a shaky first half uh, against Sutton. So lots of positives. Um, look, we're not going to sit here and say it was a brilliant performance because it wasn't. But you're not going to be able to perform at your absolute best all season. And if you can win games away from home when you're playing badly, you're doing something right. So fair play to Blooms. Like you say, it's the second Saturday on the, on the trot that we've... Um, that we've got a win, we won't lose this Saturday either. So, um, so I'm taking that as a taking that as a victory. It's a hat trick of Saturdays that we haven't lost on. So uh, we're on the up. It's yeah, exactly that. We're we're in form at the moment. We're the most informed side in League One over four games. Um, so you know, let's not take that away from the lads. Obviously, look, it wasn't in terms of performance. It wasn't the greatest, as we've said. However, if you can continue to win games like that where they are hard, you go away and you get the points. Does it really matter? We know that we're not going to be playing like that every game because that's not how we play. So, you know, if in this case we're matching horses for courses and taking the chance that we did, I'm happy with that. It was an odd one because we came away from the game and I don't think I've seen so much negativity after three points before. Like There was so much, like... Just people were actually booting off, going. That was I know it was horrible to watch, and that obviously, and I think I think fortunately for my my heart rate and everything else, I wasn't actually in the ground on Saturday. <laughs> Even watching it, it, it it was tense. But if you looked at Northampton, they just they didn't look like scoring at any point. And to be fair, you know, considering again we've come back off two injuries, well, obviously, hopefully Keo's okay. The fact that we had that versatility and that depth. Last season, we would have lacked that. We would have gone to a makeshift back line and we probably would have conceded. The fact that Leahy can just like start a left wing back, play in centre mid, 
and then finish the game in centre back. Like when have we had that before? Like it, you know, we we rarely we rarely get a player apart from uh, you know our Swiss Army knife David Wheeler that's, that's so versatile that can play all in these different roles, but slot in so well. The modern day Keith Ryan, he is, isn't he? And <laughs> it's an absolute. It, do you know what he's going to be? One of our biggest players this season, if we can keep him fit all season, he is an absolute monster of a player. Cannot state how good he how good he is. Have them in bits with with those set pieces as well, and that's that's nice as well because beforehand we we relied on JJ so much, but you know we've got Luke now that you know I think how many goals have we scored from set pieces this season? I haven't looked at the stats, but it must be a few because obviously there was two at Leighton Orient at least. You know, there's one on Saturday. There's you know that that seems to be that that was what we were doing when we had Gaz about. I think he's got five assists already, hasn't he? Yeah, something like that. It's, it's, it's just a massive difference, isn't it? It's having someone like that, and he's just got that drive. You know, it, and the thing is as well, he could step in to be a captain if we needed him to be. A lot of dexterity across across the board, really. Like like you said, that Swiss Army knife player. We seem to have a team of Swiss Army knives now. I think that's the positive to take from the game because obviously, look, you know, we had that versatility to be able to hold on. Essentially, we don't want to be doing that all season. We do want Leahy probably in the centre mid, kind of commanding that space because the difference. And we haven't touched on it yet, but Josh Scoen playing up front attack, like you know, in that more attacking role than usually. You know, that's what we've missed for for many. You know, towards the end of last season, all we needed was to push Josh up a bit more, really. <laughs> like what a difference it makes. He he was immense on Saturday. He's Lewis Wing on speed, isn't he? He's Lewis Wing with all the things that Lewis Wing couldn't do. He's absolutely fantastic. That back pass as well. The re- really really nice. Very you know everybody will tell you that we can play long hoofing passes. Just watch that little bit of play where the ball goes into uh, into Josh and he plays that beautiful back cut pass to I think it was to Hanlon. But yeah, a stunning footballer and much better than we thought going forward. I think. I just think with Scoen, cannot speak highly enough of, of this guy. I absolutely love him to pieces. And I think that we should probably crack out a knighthood when he decides to call it time at Adams Park. <laughs> that performance on Saturday was an a- just astounding. But the thing is, is it's so standard for Scoen to, to give you that kind of performance. He leaves it all on the pitch. He literally, it's like subatomic dedication to the badge, the is it's the kind of player that is a rarity uh, in today's game. And we've got him and we've got a couple of other players that can give us that kind of energy and that commitment too. Um, you know, it was a stressful watch. I think we all agree. I think everyone listening to this would agree that that was a very stressful watch. Don't want too many of those. And it was coming off the back of uh, the Rovers game where that was also a stressful finish too. Um but do you know what? I, as stressful as it was, knowing that Scoen was on the pitch giving it 248%, I just felt slightly better. I fancied our chances. Yeah, 100%. He's um, he's so blasé about it as well. You see him after the game. Yeah. It's like, well, then Josh is like, meh. Yeah, it's all right. Like, he's just not a typical footballer at all. You know, he's like a bloke walking out of the office at five o'clock on uh, on a Friday after after having half a day skive, you know, it's like he's just so blasé, so normal. And what he does on the football pitch is incredible. And yeah, it, we were all raving about him last year and when he was playing under Gaz about how good he was defensively. Mm-hmm. But who knew that he had that number eight position in him? Um, oh, it, gotcha. it looks like he's been doing it all of his life. He is such a good footballer and a good egg. And, you know, I think 
when you've got new players coming in, um, having those good eggs in the squad can only be a good thing. And yeah, I think his, you know, developing from probably being one of our best players last season to being even better this season is is going to help our cause, but it's also going to make sure that nobody else rests on their laurels because they're going to see Josh. They're going to see that, God, he was player of the, you know, maybe second player of the year last year after Max, arguably player of the year last year. And he stepped up a, bit, a notch and everybody else is going to do it. And I think that um, I think that attitude just rubs off on everybody. Like I say, he's just so calm. He's so cool when he comes out. He stops and has a chat with everyone. You see him at the home games with his kids. You know, it's just, he's not a footballer. He's just such a nice guy. And, you know, when when you read the news, what's going on at the moment in the Premier League and in the in the Saudi League, and then you look at somebody like Josh, they're, they're just worlds apart. And do you know what? I know what I would rather have. I'd much rather a, a Josh Scowen in there than a uh, than a Jordan Henderson. I do wish that we could give Scowen Henderson's money, though. That'd be nice. I'd, I'd like to do that. He's worth more than 700 grand a week. He is worth more than that, yeah. Um, <laughs> th- let's talk about... Um, uh, well, we're going to have to go there. Striker, striker problems. Now... Northampton, loads and loads of chances on Saturday, weren't able to convert, but they did look frightening. They looked capable of scoring. Can't say the same for us. Voxy, we love him. You know, we we spoke recently about what he does bring besides goals, but it was was a difficult afternoon for him. Said this last week, though, I think Voxy is probably away from that goal-scoring kind of role that he perhaps had in previous seasons, but... He's not going to want to admit that because he's a striker that scores goals throughout his career. That's the problem. It is it is an issue, but obviously, you know, we'll go into it. But I think that's where sadly is probably, you know, a nice proposition. He's played forward before and, and you know, knows where the back of the net is. So I'm not saying that he's the solution to our problems. Four, I think four out of our six goals this season, four are from centre backs, one's from a striker, which is Dale. And yeah. the other one was uh, a winger. So, yeah, something's got to give. Do you think a, mar- a more advanced playmaker type pushing Voxy into his natural role? He- he's a kind of player that you just want in the box. Just keep him in the box where possible. Don't have him drift back. Mm. Don't have him try and string the play together. He needs to just be in the box to nod it in or put it in uh, and to be on the end of it. Do you think that bringing in, bringing in Kieran helps potentially solve that problem? I keep banging this drum, and I'm sorry if I'm sounding boring, but I think the answer's already in the club. Debar is the perfect player to play alongside Vokes. He's quick, he's direct, he's got an eye for goal, and he's got bags of ability. But unfortunately, it's always going to be difficult to get any kind of consistency when you're getting 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there. In my mind, with Taylor being injured, he would have been the ideal replacement to stick in there and give him a couple of games. That's the one disappointment I would take away from the season is that he's probably our most promising young player. He's quick, he's composed, he's calm, he's strong. People hate playing against him. And everybody's saying, oh, we're lacking a cutting edge, we're lacking a cutting edge. He could he could play off folks quite easily. Um, you guys touched on it last week when I was off, but... I was listening to the pod and somebody said, I can't remember whether it was you, Dan, about that kind of Harry Kane role um, where he drops deep to win the ball, wins it, gives it to somebody who's a better footballer, if you like, and then gets in the box. And Vokes is very good at doing that. You know, he's good aerially. He'll take the ball down on his chest. But realistically, if Vokes is turning around and playing the ball wide to McCleary, he's never going to be quicker than McCleary and get in the box. If you've got a Vokes taking the ball down, pinging it out to a McCleary or a Sadlier, or a 
or a Leahy, and then TJ's in the box, you've got much more chance of scoring. I don't even necessarily think it's a finishing problem. We're not filling the box quickly enough. Mm-hmm. When you looked at Northampton, Leahy put a couple of lovely crosses in, and there doesn't seem to be anybody, like Kane Vincent Young, for me, playing as a wing-back. He should be attacking the back post. There's nobody attacking the back post. You know, We've just spoken about how good Josh Gowan is, but aerially is probably his one weakness. He's never going to out-jump a six-foot-five league one center back so we've got to fill the box better and we've got to find somebody to play up there with Vokes if we're going to persist with Vokes he like you say you know we love him he's been a very very good footballer he's never been a player who scored like 20 goals 20 goals 20 goals 20 yeah. goals he had 17 for us and he had last season where he was in it in and out a bit with injury still an exceptional footballer but let's not shy away from the fact that you know, like a goalkeeper's job is to stop the ball going in the net. A striker's job is to put the ball in the net. And as much as we love him, we can't shy away from the fact that he hasn't been doing that. And maybe it is time just to give him a rest. You know, stick TJ out front with somebody and give him a couple of games out. And hopefully the additional pressure of having that depth that we've spoken about might just spark something and give him a, a bit of a kick up the backside, if you like, to to start putting the ball in the net. But, um, but let's wait and see. Um, you know, we're, we're, Matt's obviously identified with the signing that we're going to talk about shortly, but he's obviously identified as an issue there. So hopefully something that they're working on over the next couple of weeks and we come back to the Blackpool game and we're um, and we're firing on all cylinders. We've got to look at the games that we've actually won during the season and we've been dominated in terms of possession for all those three games that we've won. Uh, Leighton Orient, they dominated. Uh, Bristol Rovers, they dominated. Northampton, I think, was something like 70% over the weekend. So it's quite evident that Matt has slightly adapted our style to kind of, I wouldn't say break on the counter, because I don't think we've been pacey for that. But there's been some, like a shift to kind of get your goals, get clinical, and then kind of soak up the pressure. Um, That's where I think... A shift invokes his role is really, really important because, and that's where I actually think, you know, we will talk about Sadlier coming in, but I think with his kind of pace and then bringing on Hanlon and GMAC in the second half, that's where we need to use it a bit more. He is that person that brings the ball down and brings others into play, and that's where we're going to benefit this season because there's going to be more teams that will want to play that possession football than not problem where we struggle is when we do have more possession during games like Burton Albion we don't know what to do with it how do we use the season to shift you know make that shift so that we are clinical when we do have the ball and we're not kind of I'd say you know in some ways we've shifted a bit back to gas ball if you you look at it because Gareth Ainsworth would take the possession in soak it up and then get him on the counter or be clear do you know take a clinical chance from a set piece and 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 that's your game one, you know, grind out the result. I think Matt's kind of taken a taken a leaf out of that book, but you know, we need to we need to be a bit more versatile and adaptable and that starts with the strikers. Yeah, I was chatting to Wheels after actually and he was saying as a player how much they love that sort of win. Like it's kind of like that in the trench mentality, you learn so much more yeah. about people when you're in the trenches with them and fighting for your lives than what you do when things are really, really easy and you're 5-0 up. You know, obviously, he was pleased to be back, but he was absolutely 
buzzing about it as well. And I think that what that will do for the confidence, the fact that, yes, we've added a little bit of football to the game, but actually we've still got that steely grit and determination that we can go away from home and we can win a game that we probably would have lost last season. We'll, we'll give them the confidence. If we can sort the, the problem out at the top end of the pitch, I'm really, really confident about this season. Probably more confident than I was at the beginning of the season, to be honest with you. The transfer window has slammed shut for the summer. Deadline day was a quiet one ultimately for the Blues, but the same couldn't be said for social media, which was buzzing with anticipation for things that ultimately did. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points at the death. Who doesn't love a last minute winner? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? A participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Happen. Having said that, we have added to our summer haul with the signing of Kieran Sadlier, who joins on a free having spent last season at Bolton, as well as young Max Cavana, who has signed a short-term development deal. Uh, lads, it's it's calmed down quite a bit now. Some apologies have been made here and there. Um, but not enough was being said about what we actually did, what we signed, what we have, as opposed to what we ultimately didn't end up having. Uh, what did you make of the frenzy on transfer deadline day? It's always going to be a frenzy, isn't there? It's deadline day. That's exactly why they created the concept. Do you know what? You look at how many signings we've made over the window and the quality of the signings. I wasn't really bothered whether we did or didn't make a signing on transfer deadline day. I was interested to see if anyone would leave, obviously with the rumours over Hanlon and Farina and things like that. Um, and if we did, how we you know may necessarily replace them. But we've had a great transfer window. It's been absolutely sensational, really, to, to bring in the level of quality that we have. I'm, I'm so, so happy with it. But yeah, it's it's just funny. It's uh, seeing people get caught up in it all. It's uh, it's quite fun watching all those fake transfer rumours come out that we sign in <laughs> some random player from Crew and Phil Jones didn't happen. Yeah, no way. And Devastated. Ross, Ross Barkley went to Luton, so he fancied Bedfordshire <laughs> yeah. over Buckinghamshire, and <laughs> Danny Drinkwater didn't join for the seventh successive season, and. Who else have we got? You know, we could fix Jordan Ibe for the second successive season. And I could go on with the amount of ridiculous transfers we've named over the years. Cash for Schmeichel, Cash for Schmeichel, yeah. you know, ripped up contract, you know. Couldn't get in over Max, though, could he? Never. <laughs> I was a bit like you, Dan, actually. I think that was the first, um, the first transfer window where I haven't been frantically updating Twitter to find out what gems Gaz has pulled in at. Matt said something actually in his interview after the Northampton game that, that struck me that I hadn't really thought about. That's his first summer transfer window as a manager. Um, mm. can, you imagine, can you imagine being an inexperienced manager and getting that dumped on you as your first summer transfer window? You know, bringing in, what have we brought in now? 13 players, including the, um, including Kavanagh. You know, and then having to get them all to gel to play together 
it must have been really, really hard for him. So, you know, fair play. I'm glad that we got our business done early, despite what uh, social media was telling you on the 20th of May when we hadn't signed anyone. Um, and, you know, sadly, it looks to be a, another shrewd piece of business. And I know that we're going to talk about him um, in more detail in a bit. And the other rumours were players that we were uh, that we were linked with, but I think people just need to take a breath and think about what they're doing. We've touched on it on this podcast before. These guys are human beings. We're not talking about footballers who are on three hundred grand a week, who you know f- finance isn't an issue. This is their livelihood. And how do you think twenty-seven-year-old Kieran Sadly <clears throat> felt when we've announced the signing? And everybody's like, uh, not as good as it could have been. Not as good yeah. as it could have been. It's not what we wanted. Um, you know, it's like starting a new job. You walk into your to your job on the first day. You sit down at your desk, and somebody says to you, "Oh, you're not the bloke I wanted to employ." What's he feeling like now? We've signed somebody to play up top who needs confidence, and our own fans, our own fan accounts, have just behaved in an utterly moronic manner. I would just urge people just to take a breath. You said it before, Michael. Take a breath, take 10 minutes, and then write your tweet. How difficult is it, regardless of what you're thinking, just to say, welcome to Wickham, Kieran, and give him four or five games before you start judging him. And like I say, I'll go through the, I hate stats, so I'll go through the facts in a minute with uh, Sadlier versus Ikpiazu. But um, yeah, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. All right, so let's let's tackle the 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 Uche versus Sadlier situation then. So no Uche, but we've signed Sadlier. I'm happy with Sadlier. Um, looks dangerous uh, against us in previous appearances. I believe he scored uh, for uh, scored against us when he was playing for Doncaster back in the day, or a few seasons yes. ago. Anyway, um, always looked like quite a tidy player when he came to Adams Park in the past. So I'm pretty pleased to have him. Obviously, it's not worked out at Bolton. I think that's a good piece of business, and absolutely agree with you, Adam. Um, that the reception was really disappointing and one of those instances where i open up the laptop i I fire up twitter i see the tweets and i go right not today it's embarrassing it's embarrassing you know i I think football twitter comes out with some real stinkers sometimes really unfortunate but you you've put together some stats uh adam to put together some facts yes let's let's go for facts so, sadly, a 27, Ipiazu 28, so about the same age. This is across all professional games that, that they've played. So, obviously, both have played in other countries before. Sadly, has made 332 appearances. Ipiazu's made 307. Sadly, at 86 goals. Ipiazu, 56 goals. Sadly, at 45 assists. Ipiazu, 33 assists. By my maths, if you're rounding... Uh, if you're rounding, I've rounded down, just to be fair, on, on all of the stats. Sadly, he averages one goal in four and one assist in seven. Ikpiazu averages one goal in five and one assist in nine. Why is there such a meltdown that we haven't signed the worst of the two players? This really shouldn't have been a meltdown at all. And you would think that everyone would learn from... Because we had this when we signed Max. We had it with... Everyone was like, you're not Nathan Bishop. You're just some keeper from Livingston. He is up there with your Martin Taylors and your Paul Hydes and your John Cheese rights for those back in the weird Wickham days. Um, and then we did it with exactly the same when we were expecting a senior signing and we signed five youth players, one of them being Anis Mometti. And we were basically, uh, these lads at 19 and 20, everyone went, well, you're not a senior signer. We need to sign some senior players. And then Anis goes for a club transfer uh, record. You know, regardless of whether it's Uche Piezo or not, 
we have signed a very good player that was still wanted by Bolton Wanderers fans. So I, I really, there is no, for me, there is no Uche versus Kieran because we could still get Uche and that's fine. And Sadlier isn't the, the solution to our striker problems. But what Sadlier does bring is a hell of a lot of pace up top and he knows where the back of the net is. And that's exactly what we've been missing. So they've addressed it and they've addressed it very, very well because there was absolutely, I, I don't know whether I'm completely oblivious to it, but that was a signing that was completely out of the blue. I wasn't expecting it at all. And it was very well done. None of the uh, transfer rumour accounts got that one, uh, for sure. Do you think with, with Uche, it was just a case of... There, there are two factors here. Um, shiny toy syndrome. Obviously, he's got some fantastic highlight goals that he scored You know, in his time with us. Um, you know, he, he does score some very, very lovely goals. Uh, there's also the emotional component that, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's never really, he's never played in front of a, of a home crowd at Adams Park. And, and I know that some fans really wanted to see that. So I think those two components, the highlights, never played at Adams Park. I think that created quite a combustible situation. People really wanted to see it. Um, and then when it didn't happen, obviously there was that, you know, oh, you're not. Uche, when, when Kieran signs. Yeah, there is a real lack of knowledge and almost an ignorance among a lot of Wickham fans. And it seems to be, like, I'm not going to name any names, but it seems to be a particular demographic. We all know who that demographic are. And it's almost like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If we hadn't assigned anybody, people would still be bloody moaning on Twitter. We've signed a very good player experienced at this level and are still moaning. Personally, I think Uche will, will still happen. I really do. I just I think that there's a process to go through. It's obviously going to be a complicated process. And when we did our interview with Rob, you know, Rob said the most difficult deals to do are the free transfers, the players who are without a club. And being a football supporter looking from the outside in, that surprised me because, you know, you would have thought it'd be the other way around. You would have thought they'd be the easiest ones to do. And when you're negotiating with a club, they're the, uh, they're the hardest. But... Yeah, I, I still expect that to happen, and whether it does or doesn't, I'm not. I'm not really bothered. Look, Uche is not a 20 goal a season striker, and nor is Sadlier. What both of them do, and we've said this about TJ, we've said this about GMAT, we said it about Hanlon, is they get us into better positions in offensive areas. They're gonna help us solve that problem that we were talking about with filling the box. You know, positive players who get their head down. I'm very, very happy with with Sadlier. He's not a one in every two striker. But then how many of them are there in League One? And, you know, how many of them are there that stay in the championship? Because if you're one in every two, you go and play abroad or you get scouted by a Premier League team and you know, you're know you gone. So we need to be a little bit realistic of who we are and where we've come from. We are a club who for many years have punched above our weight. Um, you guys will remember the O'Neill years where... You know, arguably a group of very, very average players massively overperformed and got us into the Football League. And that's always been the way that it is. You know, we love a number of those players. But in all honesty, Wickham Wanderers is about punching above your weight. It's a family club. And that should come first over anything else. I am utterly ashamed with the response from some Wickham fans to the sadly assigning. And it seems to be, like I said earlier, the the younger group, the younger demographic who have got this football manager mentality. And it's very, very sad. We are a club who have always 
operated in the lower echelons of the transfer market. We've worked the transfer market very well when we found a gem, you know, whether that be Matt Phillips, whether that be Jordan I, whether it be Roger Johnson, whether it be Mike Williamson, whether it be Steve Guppy. You look at our history, we, we've always sold well and we have always made players who have perhaps underperformed elsewhere better players. There's always been comments from other clubs at how nice it is to send their loan players to us, you know, what the facilities are like, the pitch is nice. It's a nice family club. If there are youngsters who keep behaving like they're behaving and abusing footballers when they're joining us, all that's going to happen is clubs are going to stop sending their players to us on loan. If you think that footballers don't talk and don't know each other, you're very, very wrong. They're in a little world of their own and they all know each other. They all know someone who knows someone. And the first comments will be, oh, don't go to Wickham. The fans are a bunch of knobs because a very, very small minority of people have splurged their guts all over social media because they're not intelligent enough to actually sit down, do a little bit of research and respond with something sensible and positive. And I don't know what to do about it. I really don't. I think is I would just urge the the positive fans to, you know, do as much as you possibly can to make these young men feel welcome. Um, you know, look after the first game that Kieran Brecken struggled. There was no hiding that. But some of the abuse that the kid was getting on uh, on social media was utterly abhorrent. You know, I just I just think we need to take a step back and think about what we're writing. If you're claiming to be a fan account or you're claiming to be in the know, just be responsible with what you're reporting and think about how that would affect you. You know, Brandon comes across as a guy with with very, very thick skin, but some of the stuff that was written about him on social media, you know, would have made me, if I was coming back to play for Wickham, would have made me say, well, do you know what, sod it. Mm. Um, and it, it, it's so frustrating because he's a great guy. I've said before, he is a... a a lovely guy and genuinely has something to offer this squad and you know just tear my hair out and it is a minority but um but let's make sure that the majority are actually behaving in in an uber positive way to drown out that minority going back to Hanlon there because obviously last week after Matt's interview after the Sutton game we did question whether there was an attitude problem for him to change last minute you know and and something seemed to have gone on drastically on that Tuesday but Hanlon's attitude against Northampton and how he composed himself during that game was exactly how he was against Bristol Rovers and that's exactly the types of attitude that that we want obviously you know whether or not something happened obviously going by Rob's video something seemed to have happened um I'm going to presume it's Hanlon and Wrexham in that case but he's obviously responded to it very very well so all we've got to do now is absolutely get behind him um you know he's obviously demonstrated his attitudes with Wickham he wants to play for the club and let's get behind the lads I think there's a lot to be said about Rob's um message following the transfer window close I think he said a lot of things that made sense um I think that there are a lot of things that we can take from that you know I think it's fun to speculate uh, I, I don't think we mm. should stop speculating. I think that that's part of football fandom, isn't it? 100%. And it's and it's fun. But I think we can do that in a way that is respectful, that does take into account people's feelings, that does take into account the reality of the situation and the real economics of football. It's very, very important. And the other thing I would say is, is I think it's great 
that there's so much noise around the club. There's some really good stuff, some good chatter, some good positivity around the club. Um, just needs to be done taking into account the communities that you're building. Do it for the right reasons. Don't do it, not saying that anyone is, but if you are doing it for attention and clout on a, on a social media platform, you need to really reassess if you're actually doing it for the right reasons. What you just said there from Michael is the Neil Warnock, enjoy it, but enjoy it by being disciplined right here. Because <laughs> that's exactly what that was. No, you're right. You're exactly right. Um yeah, I think, you know, it's fun to speculate on who might be coming in and things like that. But I think if you're doing it in lieu of, say, for example, the sadly, uh, you know, signing announcement was a case in point there. Welcome the lad. Don't sit there and go, you're not someone else. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, that's that's when it crosses the line. You know, you can talk about who's going and if they're going, then, you know, who we're going to replace them with and would there be a better replacement things like that that's okay it's it's not you know you're not you're not sitting there and saying see you later and packing his bags and driving them down there but and when they do when they do ultimately leave the club wish them well you know thank them for their service and and for the, the time that they spent wearing the wearing the badge you know yeah nobody they... nobody deliberately plays badly michael i'm sorry to interrupt there but you've hit the nail on the head everybody comes on that pitch and gives 100 percent that we've signed and yeah you're absolutely right wish them well i could i couldn't have found a better phrase myself but yeah sorry to interject that was um that's a really good point that i think needs hammering home Let's, let's finish the podcast with some positivity. We are six games into the season. No game this weekend because we have too many international players. Who saw that coming? Check us out. Uh, instead, guys, let's take some time to reflect and look at where we are. Right, a rough start for sure, but we've recovered and we've shown some steel. You know, And we currently sit 10th with three wins, two losses and a draw. So mixed results so far. But if you consider... The start of the season, the first four minutes against Exeter City, the first 10 minutes against Exeter City, really. You know, let's look at the positives. Big one for me, we were leaking goals the first few games. We've really tightened that up. That's a big positive for me. We have. Um, There's still work to do. Still a lot of work to do. Um, I'm not 100% sure that Richard Keogh is the answer to our defensive problems. Um, But I think Farino's look good and seems to be getting fitter. You know, what happened to Grimmer was very, very, very frustrating. Um, you know, hopefully he's back soon. We've touched on it again on this podcast, but Joe Lowe, what a signing. What a signing. I don't know whether Bristol City give out free eye masks when you go and watch their games, but <laughs> I mean, their their supporters were like, oh, you've signed a dud here. The guy can't kick a ball straight. What a player. Um I'm absolutely amazed that he's had to drop down to get football. Um, and that's to our benefit. Harry Boys has been probably 70% good and 30% okay-ish, which you'd expect from a young footballer. But when he's on his game, his delivery is fantastic. We've already spoken about Leahy and Scowan. Um, I think I'm at risk of getting a restraining order from Luke Leahy, so I'll leave that where it is. But <laughs> a- absolutely brilliant. Um, G-Mac in flashes is has looked like the old G-Mac. Um, you know, we've said what Hanlon can do off the bench. Dale Taylor looks really, really lively and hope to see him back soon. The biggest disappointment for me has been in front of goal and you can't hide away from that. You know, you, you have got to put the ball in the net. Vokes has been bitterly disappointing in front of goal. 
everything else that he's done, he's done well, but it's been bitterly disappointing in front of goal. Um, Hanlon's not a number nine. TJ hasn't had enough time there. Taylor looked like he was just starting to kick on and he's got injured. Don't think playing McCleary through the middle is the is the answer. He, he is much better wide. His deliveries points that way. I can't really f- see anybody in the team who could play as a false nine. So we're going to have to try and find a solution with the players that we've got and whether that is, like we said earlier, sticking TJ up front with Leahy and GMAC wide or with Sadlia wide or whether it's sticking Sadlia through the middle and, you know, putting GMAC and Hanlon wide, I don't know. But we're going to have to find a solution in front of goal. And, you know, just hope that some of these injuries come back because after five or six games, you really don't want to be looking at your squad and saying, God, we've got five or six injuries because come Christmas, we're going to be in a real big problem if that continues. So, um, so yeah, hopefully some of those injured players come back quickly. And we improve in front of goal. But other than that, like I said earlier, pretty positive. Um, Joe Lowe and Luke Leahy, absolutely stunning. Max Striek has just been typically Max Striek after I criticised him on the second game of the season. So sorry, Max. I love you, really. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you know, Scowen, as we said, brilliant going forward. Freddie Potts has been good. There's just very, very few negatives, which is what's so frustrating about the whole social media thing, actually look at what's going on in front of you, look at what you're watching and uh, and think about what you're going to say because I think there's an awful lot of positive stuff going on down there. We're six games in and Adam's already got two players in Leahy and Debar on his restraining order list and <laughs> yeah. we'll be very good to see how... And Jolo. And Jolo. They'll see how that increases throughout the season. I'll look forward to that. Um, Jolo, you know... It's it's interesting because he won an award. I can't remember what the pod was, but it was quite a reputed one. Uh, I think it's not the top tier or something like that. Um, they gave him Young Player of the, the Month for League One, and a lot of Walsall fans came out as well, and Bristol City were like, I'm surprised with that because he looks awful for us. Bristol City, I think it was one cup game where he had a bit of a torrid time, and Walsall, pretty average season. But that actually demonstrates that when you get the best out of a player, how much of a difference it makes. You know, we've we've done that with Lowe and we've got the best out of him. We've now got to do that with a lot of the other players. I think there's more to come from Potts. I think he's played well so far, but I think there's more to come from him. Um, Phillips as well, absolutely the same. I think boys, you know, that's that, that's fine. Um, Damo's touched on it um, a lot, but, you know, um, Kane Vincent Young needs to be played further up top. So... There's, there's there's positives in in that there's there's still development i think the one thing that i'm actually happy with because obviously you know, if you look at the first two games of the season we were tearing our hair out going oh god we're going to lose 3-0 every game but blooms has learned and adapted very quickly uh to to get us into a place where we're 10 points from 12 so that adaptability the the ability to go I've got that wrong and I'm going to change it and then put changes in place very quickly to change that has what's made me very happy so far from a Bloomfield perspective because he's he's quite quick to right his wrongs. He's quite quick to recognise that we're lacking something and lacking maybe a little bit of pace up front, especially with GMAC getting strapped up every other game. We brought in the Sadlier who can kind of bring that pace in, and, and that versatility up front that we might need. Um, maybe some still some work to do from a transfer perspective but you know we've got a side that's in depth one thing i didn't actually realize is i think we've got five or six players spaces still to fill um because we've brought so many young players in under the age of 21 
actually we could have a team of 30 here that could all be fighting for spaces now whether you want a squad of that size I don't know but considering the injuries we've had in previous seasons and the fact that we've had small squads for so long actually that's uh that's that's quite a nice place to be in looking ahead to our games in September uh Blackpool, Carlisle coming to Adams Park. We've got Charlton, which is uh, Adams' favourite away day, coming up. So those games, though, Blackpool, Charlton, Carlisle, quite tricky. It, it gets harder as we go on, and obviously, as we oh. mentioned earlier on, you know, some you know we've, we've got, we're carrying some injuries into September. Yeah, specifically, looking ahead to the Blackpool game in two weeks, you know, we'll we'll do a deeper dive into it um, in the in the coming episodes. What are you what, what are you hoping to see, uh, with the exception of wins, from, from these games? And uh, how do you think we'll be able to continue to build on our start? I want to see us fill in the box more. That's the biggest thing for me. Mm. Um, create chances. You know, if we walk off the pitch and we've created 10 or 15 good chances and we haven't scored, you can't complain. If we're walking off the pitch having created one or two good chances, then... You know, I think you've got a right to to air your opinions. I would really like to see the likes of Freddie Potts just being given a little bit more responsibility in the middle of the pitch. Dan said there's more to come from him, and I absolutely agree. I think at the minute, I think he's being underused. And I think we could, particularly if he was playing as a three with like Scown and Leahy in the middle, uh, I think you could really, really, really use him to our advantage. It looks like he's got the ability not only to break up play, but to to spray the ball about a bit as well. Um, so I would say let's just get the ball to our better players and fill the box. And I think we'll um, we'll find that the positive results come. We have got a bit of a tricky run. You know, Blackpool's not an easy game. Like you say, Charlton is another tough game. You know, there'll be a big crowd in there. It's a noisy place to go. Like you say, it's my, one of my favourite away games. That'll be a really, really tough game. And then you look at the the games that we've got coming through October and uh, and November, they're also tough and they come thick or fast and you start chucking in, you know, the pizza cup and all of that sort of stuff. And, and before you know it, you're in December. So these next couple of games have really got to be used to try and make a few tweaks, get bodies in the box quicker and start scoring some goals. And if we do that, I think we'll be all right. Um, like I said earlier, I'm probably more positive now than what I expected to be. We have just got to find that final little bit of creativity to put the ball in the net. I honestly don't know what to expect from the next few games. Um, if you look at Exeter and Lincoln, I, there is no way I expected them to be where they were uh, this so uh, this early on in the season. But they, I expected Lincoln to be in and around there, but not doing as well as they have. So, you know, I can't really pick pick anyone out. Reading haven't had a good start. Char- uh, Charlton haven't had a good start. And I had them to do really well. Um, so it shows what I know. And obviously probably shouldn't be on this podcast talking about football because I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. I think we've just got to take each game as it comes. He's still developing. He's still learning. I'm happy from a positivity point of view. I think, you know, he's, he's already kind of realising where we need to make twe- uh, tweaks and changes and he's implementing it quickly. So, you know, it's the, the signs are positive, but there's, there's well, there's a lot more to come. A lot more to come indeed, and hopefully onwards and upwards. Uh, thanks, guys. Pleasure as always. That will do it for this week. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP12. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Spotify. And if you're loving the podcast, help us out by leaving a five-star review. 
You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at Dan Clark PR, and Damien at Damo1507. Get well soon, Grandad. We'll be back next week with more discussion on all things chairboys. Until then, stay well and come on, you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.